want to pray. I want to, I want to honor the presence of God. Is that all right? Father, we're here for you. We're here to connect with you. And we choose over this next 30 minutes or so to engage with you. Lord, we honor your presence. We honor your presence. We invite you to come and open our eyes. Holy Spirit, teach us. The word says that you are our teacher. Teach us this morning. We want to leave having heard from you. We want to leave with something that we can chew on during the week and say, Lord, change me in this area. Bring me closer to you in this area. So, Lord, we just bind distraction and we choose to engage with what you're doing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now you can sit back down. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 this morning. Um, when Lisa and I were, uh, she's not here to say, I usually say when Lisa and I were young and she always goes, grr, I like grr, and she was doing that Wednesday night, I kept saying, when Lisa and I were young and she goes, grr, I'm like, what are you flirting with me? What are you doing here? She goes, young girl, young girl, I'm not allowed to say when we were young. I'm supposed to say when we were young girl. So uh, she's not here to grr at me this morning, but she's watching and she's going, grr, grr. When we were young girl, just married, um, she decided one night that she was going to uh, make up a, a big batch of, of chicken soup. And she put the stuff together, and she put it in the pot, and she left it to do its thing, and came back, you know, a few hours later, and we started looking at it, and it didn't look right. The, the, the what should be broth just looked like clear water. And there was just this pale chicken kind of there. And because I love my wife, I was going to eat it anyway. But it didn't look right. It didn't taste right. And, of course, you know, she was very disappointed. And, you know, me being the, the, the loving husband that I am, I teased her about it mercilessly. And it uh, has been come to know, know, be known, and even to this day, that uh, that was the night of the chicken water. So we had chicken water for dinner that night. But... What happened was there were some missing ingredients. If you put the right ingredients in, you get the right result, right? So we're in a lesson series called Questions That Jesus Asked. And this morning, I want to teach a lesson called The Missing Ingredients to Abundance. The Missing Ingredients to Abundance. You know, John... Um, 1010 uh, says, and this is Jesus speaking, said, you know, the thief came to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly or have it to abundance. 
So if, if Jesus came, he said, I came. This is one of the reasons I came is that you might have a life in abundance. So if Jesus came that we might have an abundant life, why do we so often still feel spiritually dry? Why is it so easy to be casually sinful? If Jesus came for an abundant life, that's not a part of the abundant life, right? If Jesus came for an abundant life, we should have this, 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 this wonderful relationship with him because that's part of abundance, right? So what's the issue? There's some missing ingredients. In Mark chapter 8, Starting in verse 34. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Here's the question that Jesus asked. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What do you benefit? Because the first thing that we have to look out for is fake Christianity. Fake Christianity. You know, if anyone ever told you that that being a passionate follower of Jesus Christ would cost you nothing, they lied. Okay, they lied to you. I'm sorry, let me apologize if you have been lied to. But to passionately follow Jesus Christ, it's going to cost us something. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your way and take up your cross. Our experience with Jesus is really meant to be more than just a ticket to heaven. We need to become a full-flavored meal for a hungry world. Not just chicken water. Doesn't quite look like, doesn't quite look right, doesn't quite taste right. In Matthew 5, verse 13, and this is out of the, the message, it says, Let me tell you why you are here. You are here. Are you a you? Let me just say this real quick. Are you a you? You're a you, right? Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in this earth. So are we tasting good or are we tasting like chicken water? And if we taste like chicken water, and I promise you I've tasted like chicken water in my life, okay? We've all tasted like chicken water at times. What's the problem? There's some missing ingredients. So I want to talk about, and this is going to be such a simple message. You know, the truth of Jesus really is simple. It really is simple. I want to talk about a couple of the missing ingredients. Here's the first one. Missing ingredient number one, obedience. In verse 34, back in Mark 8, it says, you must give up your own way. 
You must give up your own way. To be obedient, we must choose to give up our own way. God is not going to hold you down. He is not going to twist your arm until you say uncle. He is not going to make you do anything. We must choose to give up our own way. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must choose to give up your way. So what is your way? What are you holding on to? It can be as simple as identity. Still hanging on to the identity that I used to have before I was walking with Jesus. I'm still plagued by the things that that identify me before I started walking with Jesus, even though the scripture says that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Are you dealing with rejection? Is that the identity that God has for you? You willing to give it up? Now we all say yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I'll let go of it. Until the next time the enemy gives you an opportunity to feel rejected. You ever hear somebody say, that's just the way that I am? Just the way that I am. Boy, that is the biggest cover-up in the world. I, I, I can't help myself. You know, there was a, a young man that I knew several years ago that uh, had an obvious call to ministry on his life. And when he began to minister, I mean, God would just show up. But the problem was when he wasn't ministering, which is most of our lives, he was a jerk. Just a jerk. And he'd always say, well, it's just the way that I am. It's, it's, it's my gifting. My gifting just comes across that way. No, you're just a jerk. You're just being rude. Give up your way. The problem in his life was he didn't want to admit that he had some rejection going on. And to keep from feeling that rejection, he would just reject people. You ever been around those people that are always right? (laughs) I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right and you're wrong. Is there an issue with somebody who's always right? Somebody that thinks they're always right because guess what? None of us are always right. Correct? But when I have this attitude that I'm always right, you know what it really is? It's a false defense mechanism. I'm going to defend myself instead of allowing God to be my defender. What did Jesus say? You want to be my follower? Give up your way. Give up your way. Right? And we say we're always right. The problem is, you know what? They may be right, 
but in their rightness, they're not being righteous. It's one of my favorite new sayings now is uh, being right without being righteous just makes you wrong. But if I want to be a lightning rod, have you ever seen a lightning rod? I mean, it sucks. I mean, it's almost like it just pulls the lightning out of the sky, right? Boom, boom, boom. If I want to be a lightning rod for the love of God, I have to choose obedience. 1 John 5, 3, first part of the verse there says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, we always talk about, oh, I, oh, I love God. I, oh, I love the Lord. I just love the Lord. Keep his commandments. Because keeping his commandments shows that we love the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah. Keep his commandments. Well, what commandments? We got a whole book of them, right? Somebody asked Jesus that same question one time. Hey, what, what commandments are the, really the most important commandments? And Jesus broke it down for them. He said, all of the law and the prophets, all of the Old Testament is wrapped up in these two. Love God, love others. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love others as yourself. Now, it's easy to say we love the Lord, right? I am loving the Lord with all my mind, with all my heart. But is it showing up? Through loving others as ourselves. If we do these things, we can't go wrong. Tell them I said hello. <laughs> They're saying, yeah, your time's over. <laughs> we were only giving you 10 minutes, and this 10 minutes has been horrible, so let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's get done here. Uh, if you love God and you love others, you cannot go wrong. But you can't do this unless you choose to love obediently. So how do we love God and love others in this hyper-political world that we live in all of a sudden? Where people don't want to talk to each other. Why? Because they're both right. I'm right over here. I'm right over here. Well, we both can't right be, be right right? So how do, how do we love God and love others through this? Let, let's, 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 let's make it even a, a little more relevant. Anybody heard about stuff going on at the Supreme Court right now? Yeah? Yeah? With the, the abortion issue? Yeah? Well, the moment that they, you know, that that uh, that brief was leaked, you know, you got some people that are super angry and some people that are jumping for joy. But let let me just let me just tell you the truth, okay? If if the abortion law is is overturned, which it may be, if it's overturned, that is not the finish line. That's just the starting line. And in fact, we should have a heart, whether it's turned over or not, we should be ministering to people and loving people in such a way that the abortion issue becomes basically non-existent. 
So people are all excited. Oh, abortion's going to be made illegal. Okay. Who's going to love those kids? Are we going to start adopting? Are we going to start being foster parents? Are we going to start uh, supporting those that do? What about those moms? That are so scared they don't know what to do. How are we? I'm talking about us, okay? I'm talking about us. It's not enough to say, I love God. Remember James chapter 2? Faith without works is dead. In fact, in that same passage right there, he said, if you see somebody with a need, don't just say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. Do something about it because your faith, your obedience, your love of God will cause you to reach out and do something. In Luke chapter 11, verse 42, Jesus said, What sorrows await you Pharisees? Now, the moment we hear the word Pharisees, we think bad guys. Those are the bad guys, right? Well, you know what? The Pharisees, they were the conservative religious people of the day. Okay? If if we would be honest, if we were living in those days, most people that we hang around would probably be following a pharisaical rabbi. Because they they said that the Bible was the word of God. They believed in angels and demons. They believed in in, in life after death. A lot of the things that we believe in, right? But Jesus said, what sorrows await you, Pharisees? Why? Because they were striving to be right instead of being righteous. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe. I'm just going to let that one hang there. You should tithe. Why? That's easy obedience. You should tithe. Why? Because loving God's kingdom, you'll pour your treasure into loving God. You should tithe. But do not neglect the important things. Loving others. Now, was Jesus saying loving others was more important than loving God? Of course not. But what he was saying was, you can't just say, I love God. I'm going to... I'm being nice. All right. Jesus was saying, you're you're religiously doing the easiest thing you can do. Religiously doing the easiest thing that you can do. And overlooking the places of obedience that really need our attention.
We are not fully obedient if we only choose to love God. In fact, if we only choose to love God and not love others, we don't really love God. That was just the first ingredient. (laughs) Here's the second one. Missing ingredient number two, sacrifice. Oh, I didn't think it could get worse than obedience, and now we have sacrifice. Back in Mark 8, 34, take up your cross and follow me. Now, Jesus could have easily just said, hey, come follow me. But he chose to say, come die a gruesome death with me. Doesn't that sound like fun? Man, that is a church growth model right there. I promise you. We're going to put it on a sign out there at the loop. Come die a gruesome death. People will flock, don't you think? But obedience takes sacrifice. Remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? Abraham was already an old guy. He'd be in the joy group if he was here. (laughs) He was 80 years old, and he didn't have a son. And God said, I'm going to give you a son. And then it took 20 years. How many of us want to wait on the word of the Lord for 20 years? We don't like doing that, do we? And this has nothing to do with my message, but sometimes we just need to sit down and shut up. That's the obedience that we need. Just sit down and wait on God. Just let him do what he wants to do, okay? It took 20 years for the, for the word of the Lord to come to pass. He had a son. And then sometime after that, the Bible doesn't say exactly. Most people think that he was probably in his, his mid-teens, Isaac that is. God said, give him back. God said, sacrifice him. Sacrifice the fulfillment of the promise. Abraham was a human being, right? I mean, we we read this stuff in, you know, it was considered righteousness. I mean, we, we, we put these people on a pedestal and we act like they never had any issues. Abraham had issues. He tried to pass his wife off twice as his sister because he was afraid. Abraham had some issues. So do you think when the Lord came along and said, hey, take that son that it took you 20 years to get, and I want you to sacrifice him, do you think he jumped up and went, hallelujah, Jesus. I am so excited about this. I don't think so. I think he had to stop and say, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. Then Abraham and Isaac and a couple of uh, servants, they go out into the wilderness. And they come to the mountain. And what does Abraham say? He told the servants, he said, you guys stay here. The boy and I are going to worship sacrifice will cost you something, but it is worship. 
when you look at it as worship instead of God's trying to take something away from me, when you look at it as worship, then we have the same results. That's the ingredient that we need. Because he said, the boy and I will go to worship and then we will come back. Jesus is our example of radical obedience. And radical sacrifice. He gave up heaven to come here. He died on a cross for you. So why should we live a life of obedience and sacrifice? And first of all, we need to get out of this attitude that obedience and sacrifice is God trying to take something away from me or sitting here going, oh, gosh. Uh, oh. A life of obedience and sacrifice should be some of the most fulfilling thing that we do. It should fill us with joy. You want to come to that place where you can, as, as James 1, 2 says, count it all joy? You want to count it all joy, live a life of obedience and sacrifice. Because at that time, you will understand you cannot give something to God without him giving it back. You feel like God's trying to take something away from you when he's trying to put you in a place to live a life of abundance. So why live in a life of obedience and sacrifice? So we won't be spiritual chicken water. Look funny and taste funny. Verse 35, Mark 8, first part of the verse there says, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. Stop hanging on to your way. Stop hanging on to I've got to be right. Stop hanging on to these things that are very detrimental to us in the first place. Stop hanging on to an identity that sees you and tells you that you are something different than what God says about you. Lose your way of doing life, or unfortunately, you will lose in life. The second part of the verse there says, but if you give up your life, giving up something, what is that? Sacrifice. If you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, he, he, just, he just gave us a plan right there. So, so to follow the plan, we got to have some obedience, right? But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Because he came to give you life abundantly. But there is no abundant life without choosing obedience and sacrifice. Once again, not because God's holding out on you, not because you got to prove your love to him, not because you got to do anything, but if you want to press into who the Lord's really called us to be and do here on this earth, we don't get to do it our way. God's not holding out on you, so we shouldn't be holding out on him. Verse 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. Let's be honest. If God gave us the whole world without asking for obedience and sacrifice, we would waste it on ourselves. I'm just talking about, about human nature. 
you know, if, if we get a raise at work, is our first thought, now I get to give more. Now I can afford that car I wanted. Now, is there anything wrong with the car that you want? No. Did you hear that? My voice went, no. <laughs> if you do, if you do it your way, and you pro- produce some worldly abundance, what's it worth if you haven't followed God? See, the way this world looks at things is if you've made a lot of money, if you've got a nice house, if you've done that, that's what they call abundance, right? That's what you're supposed to be in the United States. Retire at 55. And... Now, is there anything wrong with, with having money? No, I don't want you to hear that. I don't want you to hear that at all. But so often... We obtain things and we don't use it for the kingdom. So often, things get a hold of us. I can't tell you how many, you know, youth went through the the youth group when when I was a youth pastor. How many of them at the time? Because they don't have any other responsibility, right? I got a test tomorrow and I got to be home by 10.30 or, you know, I'll be in trouble for not being home by curfew. Something like that. That's, that's the extent of their life. And they're like, I want to be a missionary. I want to do this for Jesus. I want to do this for Jesus. I now, is that a true cry from their heart? I believe so. But it's easy to say those things when there's no other pressure coming on us. Yeah. But then suddenly, you know, you got a school bill to pay. Suddenly you have a job. You're trying to work your way up the, the corporate ladder. Suddenly you see somebody, your eyes lock, and your tummy goes, ooh. <laughs> And because that happens, kids come along. <laughs> and suddenly we find ourselves, is that the same person that God was saying, do this, be this, be this? What does it, what does it matter if we gain the whole world? But we haven't fulfilled the deepest longing of our soul. To be who he really called us to be. That's That's easy for you to say. You get paid to pray. (laughs) I don't get paid enough to pray for you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am kidding. If we allow it, what the world calls abundance, if we seek after that, it's just going to desensitize us. To the things that God is calling us to. All right, now my wife is a great cook. I've got that in my notes. I was going to say it anyway. Of course, I expected her to be sitting there. But my wife is a great cook. And I love her soups. Guess which one of her soups is my favorite? No.
She does make a good chicken soup, though. But taco soup's my favorite, of course. Y'all know me better than that. Come on. She learned that the right ingredients make all the difference. Are we learning the same lesson? Are we learning that obedience and sacrifice is what really ushers us into a place where we want to be with the Lord? All right. Are we choosing to love God and love others obediently and sacrificially? Are we giving up our way to take up the cross? What area of obedience or sacrifice are we not leaning into? We probably all have them. I'm not going to say 100% because I, I, you know, Somebody would come up here and go, I don't have that. But for most of us who live on this earthly plane, now those of you that, you know, float around in third heavens all the time, that's probably different. But most of us have a place of obedience or sacrifice that we're really not wanting to lean into. Now the Lord loves you. And I know you want to say that you love him. And I believe that you do to the degree that we're being willing to be obedient. But there's something that he's been tapping you on the shoulder about. What is it? Why do we hide from it? Why do we push away from it? We have to admit that we really don't believe he's as good as he says he is. If we're allowing ourselves not to lean into that place of obedience. Now, this is between you and the Lord. I'm finished preaching. It's between you and the Lord. Notice I didn't ask you to close your, close your eyes, bow your head or anything like that. I want you to look at me and I want you to hear this. What is the place of obedience that the Lord wants you to lean into? And I want you to make a decision because that's what Jesus said. You must. In other words, you choose to give up your way and take up your cross. So this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you got a piece of paper, write it down. If you're like most of the rest of us, you don't carry paper anymore. The only paper I have is something I blew my nose on. But you've got a phone. I know you do. Pull out that phone and get that note section open. What is the Lord saying? You need to write it down so you can nail it down, so you can lean into it. Okay? Once again, God's not trying to take anything away from you. He's not. He's wanting to bring you into a place of more fully abundant life. All right? So as a, uh, as a body, how do we do this together? How do we do this together? 
This is going to be very simple. This is something that I, I want to do because I, I want us to engage as a body. Anybody notice that the economy is not great right now? Anybody notice that we're paying more for gasoline? Anybody notice that, that groceries have gone up? It's called inflation. Nobody likes it. It happens from time to time. But for most of us, we complain about it. But there are some people that it may destroy their lives. I read a news article this week about single moms who have cut back to one meal a day because they're going to make sure those babies get fed. In this land of abundance. What about the fear that has come on people because they haven't been able to get their hands on the, uh, the baby milk, the powder? I mean, it's caused real fear in people. It's easy to stand up here and say, God's going to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. It's different to say, God's going to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus through us. Because that's what we've been called to do. Right? So I want us to do something very simple. Over the next few weeks, buy some non-perishables. We're just going to do an old-fashioned food drive. Is that okay? Buy some non-perishables. Bring it up here to the church. We'll have a place to put them. If you happen to see some, some baby formula, grab it. Maybe some diapers. Things that we can reach out instead of saying, we love Jesus and he loves you. We say, we love Jesus. Let us prove that he loves you. It's a little bit different, isn't it? Here's another thing. I don't want you just to, you know, run home and go, hey, we've had this can of beans on the shelf forever. Let's give that away. Or I don't even want you to go to the grocery store and just grab something and go, hey, here's something for church food drive. I want you to take it and I want you to put it in your hands. And I want you to pray over it. And I want you to say something like, Lord, I don't know who this is going to go to. But Lord, I pray that your presence would go along with these pork and beans. That's not weird. In fact, in the, in, in, in the book of Acts, it says that they took, they took handkerchiefs off of Paul and took it to people. People were healed because of it. The anointing can be transferred. Send the anointing with it. Let people be healed emotionally, maybe even physically. But let's, let's not just say we love God. Let's love God by loving others. Okay? 
and let this begin to churn in us. Let's allow it to, to change the way that we think and react and do things. As a church, as individuals. You know, we talk about getting this building back here all the time. I don't have that building just so we can have that building. But what if we had this building? What if we got, we got so wrapped up in the plan of God that we said, we're going to buy this building and we're going we're gonna to put bedrooms in it. Oh, well, I thought we would have, you know, a big fellowship hall. Well, maybe we will. There goes my voice again. Maybe we will. But wouldn't it be better to say, hey, let's put some bedrooms in there and let's help people that are transitioning out of uh, places of addiction or helping people get off the streets or helping uh, uh, women that are coming out of, of sex trades. We had a place to put them. Wouldn't that be a better use of that building than just saying we got more Sunday school space? Let's have a kingdom mentality. A kingdom mentality. God, you can do more with my hundred dollars than I can do with my hundred dollars. Whatever it is. Well, let's have that attitude. Because I'm telling you, right here in Tyler, Texas, there's poverty that most of us couldn't even imagine. I've been in third world countries. You expect it when you go there. But there are places in Tyler, Texas, where it looks like third world country. Poverty. Destruction. Let's be the people of God. All right, will you stand with me or I'll just keep going? I'm seriously asking you to ask the Lord what's the place of obedience or sacrifice that you're supposed to be leaning into? And then let's do something, okay? Let's do something. I know a lot of churches have food banks and things like that. This is just something tangible for us to do, okay? Let's pray. Father, we choose to set aside our own way because our own way really is selfishness. If we live in the flesh, we will live a selfish life. Lord, we choose to set aside that, to take up the cross, to not just hang it around our neck or, or put it on the wall in the house or on a bumper sticker, but to truly truly understand the weight of the cross the sacrifice of the cross Jesus you changed us now we want to be more we want to do more we want to not just say we love you but we want it to be seen in how we love others And Lord, you know right where it needs to start. In that place of obedience or that place of sacrifice that you've so lovingly spoken to us about, impressed on our heart before. 
Lord, give us the courage to step into it, to lean into it, to be the people of God that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. I know this is a little bit different this morning, but that's okay. You may need prayer. You may need something in your life. And I know I'm talking about reaching out to other people, but you may have a need. And quite often when we have a need, it blinds us to other people's needs. That's why God wants it healed in your life. Because when you're healed, your eyes are open when you start seeing the needs of other people. So if you have a need, let somebody pray for you. If you're unsure about your relationship with Jesus, let somebody pray for you.